1: What comes to mind when you think of John Deere? The green and yellow logo, combines dotting the American countryside? How about space? It's something current board member and former Boeing Defense CEO Leanne Corette discussed on this podcast in April. Deere is, I think, one of the best technology secrets um, in the world out there. Uh, they are, I had the honor of watching, uh, you know, some of the automated uh, planting and the sea and spray technology It just it's just absolutely um, mind boggling at times what the ability to do is. But you're not going to do that, to your point, without the access uh, to space. Deere is making a big bet on precision agriculture, which uses sensors, software and data analytics to improve crop yields. It's already selling self-driving tractors and other autonomous farming equipment. And now the machinery manufacturer is looking to partner with satellite operators to boost connectivity. The company began eliciting bids for a SATCOMS contract last fall, deal value undisclosed. And Jamie Hindman, Deere's chief technology officer, is the person overseeing the process.
0: We're pretty bullish, actually, on the opportunity that the commercialization of all things space is bringing to agriculture at the moment. If you think of agriculture, it's uh, it's largely a a rural job, right? It's done in, in rural locations where terrestrial cell connectivity is not always available. And when it is, it's not always sufficient to do the types of things that farmers need to have done in, in the field. And we think uh, satellite communications is a really intriguing and really interesting technology to pursue to sort of solve that communications gap.
1: This speaks to why Deere is a top holding in Cathie Wood's Arc Space Exploration and Innovation ETF and why a stock long seen by investors as subject to economic cycles is finding ways to offer more value and more services to its global customer base on this episode, tilling space to better harvest on earth. I'm Morgan Brennan, and this is Manifest Space.
0: I would tell you the technology story in agriculture actually started probably 20, 25 years ago. uh, And it actually started with space. Uh, It started with um, us taking a position uh, in a company. We purchased a company, eventually NABCOM, that gave us the ability to um, have our own uh, Real-time connection, uh, real-time corrective signal uh, for GPS, so that we could start to use uh, GPS technology to help steer machines and uh, and do a bunch of other things that were data-related, things like create uh, yield maps for combines and those sorts of things. So our our uh, our start in technology was uh, actually um, originated around uh, GPS and GNSS uh, guidance, uh, and and it was over two decades ago. And since then, we've just been continuing. Uh, really to to grow this state of technology and agriculture uh, increasing automation in equipment uh, taking uh, some of the the human in the loop out of the equipment so that um, more people uh, can can uh, be used from a labor perspective on the farm uh, and in addition we've sort of gotten to the point 20 years later where uh, customers are actually asking us why am i in this this tractor why am i in this harvester anymore uh, this is doing most of the the work for me so we have sort of reached this point in the last two or two and a half years where we've introduced autonomy on the farm. Uh, and, uh, and actually space is a significant portion of that as well because we've continued, continued to increase uh, our the accuracy of our guidance op, oper, uh, guidance technology on the farm in addition to using that, that technology to really uh, drive to what we're calling plant-by-plant level management. So the ability to uh, know latitude long, longitude for every individual plant uh, in a particular farm.
1: Very cool. So, I, so just to just to get this straight, there are there are literally combines and tractors and other types of machines that are operating themselves on farms across the world right now, as we speak.
0: Yeah, exactly right. Uh, tractors are the first one that we've done this with, so they're fully autonomous, um, meaning uh, you know the human has the opportunity to leave the cab of the machine, uh, and the machine can do the the job of tillage in this case um, all by itself. In the other cases, things like combines and, and crop care equipment, uh, we still put a human in the cab uh, because we we haven't solved the perception problem in all those cases yet. Um, but um, that human has most of the things, if not all of the things, automated for them. Uh, so there's uh, they're there as a, a safety perception system, uh, but the jobs themselves are largely being done uh, without human human interaction.
1: And now GPS isn't enough. You need, you need more aspects of connectivity and you need more types of data.
0: Yeah, exactly right. So, you know, we just, we just announced a, a, an RFP in the satellite uh, communications um, area last September. Uh, and we've been in the process of working through that RFP over the last nine months or so, uh, trying to determine who the, the best players were and the combination of best players were for us to, to use moving forward. Um, we're pretty bullish, actually, on the opportunity that the commercialization of all things space is bringing to agriculture at the moment. If you think of agriculture, it's, uh, it's largely a, a rural job, right? It's done in, in rural locations where terrestrial cell connectivity is not always available. And when it is, it's not always sufficient to do the types of things that farmers need to have done in, in the field. And we think uh, satellite communications is a really intriguing and really interesting technology to pursue to sort of solve that communications gap, Uh, not just in rural America, but if you look around the world uh, at locations that agriculture has done, this connectivity gap is is everywhere. It's probably more significant actually outside of the U.S. than it is inside of the U.S., Uh, but it's ever-present. And more and more of our technologies, we talked about autonomy as an example, are dependent upon real-time communication connectivity with the vehicle at all times and um, and so the customer experience and the benefit that a farmer gets is uh, is improved by that con- connectivity state and our mission is to try to solve for global connectivity and agriculture you know sort of ubiquitously across the, the planet
1: so you put out this RFP this request for proposal to the extent you can you can describe the types of companies that are interested in in putting proposals in front of you? Because I realize you're not making a decision yet, but I guess what details can you share?
0: Yeah, we had roughly 40 companies and they're the who's who of satellite connectivity uh, across the globe. They're, you know, all the way from names that are common in the industry. I'll just put it that way. Uh, And combinations of those names actually uh, in the industries. Uh, Some have Uh, Constellation capability, you know, some have uh, terminal uh, capacity and capability, Uh, some have ground stations backhaul, etc. So uh, what we were after was really um, asking the question, how do we get to the best uh, collective system uh, for agriculture moving forward at a cost, and this is the important part, at a cost that um, is meaningful uh, for agriculture that we think there's a business case around. Uh, And I think the the recent commercialization um, you know, it has driven the cost to a point and is continuing to drive costs to a point uh, that make it really interesting in our industry. Uh, you know, we're, we're also in the middle of trying to sort through, uh, as all of these uh, proposals came in, uh, what orbits are the most interesting for us. We certainly have a benefit in low earth orbit with, uh, with latency, uh, reduced latency and higher bandwidth, uh, but the terminal cost on the other hand tends to be higher. Uh, as we look at other orbits, you know, we have, um, you know, Low, lower capability, technical capability from a communications perspective, uh, but we have lower terminal costs. So the one time cost to, a, to a, a customer might be lower as well. So we're trying to, to rationalize all of those things and where the industry is going um, relative to, to orbits and to constellations uh, and capacity. Uh, and so we're in the middle of, of, of executing some trials as we speak, which is uh, with the, the last few folks that are in the RFP uh, that have risen to the top, we're putting their equipment on vehicles and we're doing testing and real world applications with real farmers, uh, connecting them uh, across the planet, trying to determine what is real performance that we're going to see in agriculture and and what uh, are the use cases that farmers are exposing that might be, you know, different than what we're thinking about uh, relative to their applications and their businesses.
1: I feel like I'm not talking to a major multinational corporation, but I'm talking to a government contractor right now with this, <laughs> with this, with this process. Um, what, what's been surprising about that as you, as you do see some of these, you know, test cases with some of these finalists for lack of a better term, um, play out. What, what's been surprising so far?
0: Yeah. So I, we brought, uh, all 40 of these companies into uh, central Iowa to a test farm that we have in September of last year. Uh, and so we had the who's who that were there. Uh, we I, I kicked it off by asking them all, uh, how many of you thought in your careers uh, in satellite communications you would be in the middle of a farm shed in the middle of Iowa uh, talking to John Deere about satellite connectivity? And the answer was was none of them. Like, there was a surprise for all of them that, that this was a thing. Uh, and it also surprised them sort of the magnitude or the scale of uh, agriculture, the scale of the business uh, potential and the business opportunity as well. And so I think that's been sort of the biggest learning is that you know we we had this opportunity to bring two industries together, uh, you know satellite uh, space communications and and agriculture, and push them together and say, "What kind of value could we create uh, in this space collectively?" And neither one sort of looked at the other as as a, an opportunity space. And I think that's been the most exciting part of this is it, it is a significant opportunity for the satellite industry. Um, and it's uh, it, it it will be a significant benefit in agriculture as well. So I I am encouraged by the response that, that that the satellite community community has had to to the um, to the opportunity in the space. And it's been fun to educate them about what agriculture is and just how high tech it actually is uh, in the last twenty years. What our journey's been and where we're at today uh, along the way. I think uh, it's a tremendous story and it's uh, it's one that we enjoy telling.
1: When do you make a decision?
0: Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get through testing. So agriculture is generally by its nature, right? This very annual thing. We plant in the spring, we harvest in the fall. So uh, we're going to test through uh, several phases of of the jobs of agriculture. We're starting with planting, obviously, this spring in North America, and then uh, we'll make a decision by this fall, probably uh, as we get into the harvest operations and start to understand how the technology is used in in the harvest job uh, at the very end of of the of the year.
1: And so when you do make this decision and you start rolling out this, so it sounds like you're going to roll out this service to um, to farmers and to customers that that use your machines. Is this going to be sort of like a, like, how are you thinking about it? Is it like a subscription fee? Is it just a value add for newer machines that are going to be offered on the market?
0: Yeah, it's a super good question. I don't have all the answers to it. That's one of the things that we're working with in addition to sort of sussing out the technical capabilities of the systems with growers over the next few months, we'll be sussing out the the business model that makes the most sense for them as well. Um, You know, I I think it will depend a bit on how they choose to consume it. Like we wanna make sure that the business model uh, works for them and in their business, depending upon how they wanna digest the technology. Uh, And it's different depending upon, uh, potentially different depending upon which technology we go with, uh, whether it's, you know, um, low earth orbit with a higher upfront cost or different orbits with a lower upfront cost. Um, those, those two probably play differently in, in a farmer's business. Uh, and so we'll have to sort through that over the next, uh, the next few months as well. Um, I, I can tell you that um, you know, the, the response from farmers has been overwhelmingly positive in the sense that for many of them, they're going from, you know, I call it the zero to one problem. They're going from no connectivity in places that they really wish that they had it to full connectivity right um, in, in those places tomorrow. And, and their ability to sort of think through and process, how does that create value on my farm has been really interesting. It's been, um, we view it from a deer perspective, we viewed that value as the ability to get agronomic data from the farm into the cloud and the John Deere operation center so that they can, they can make sense of it and help make better decisions on the farm. They're also using that connectivity in different ways uh, on the farm for just communications purposes, right? Managing a large operation in some cases, you know, 5,000 acres to uh, 500,000 acres, uh, managing that without the ability to communicate to, to employees and communicate to the people that are on the farm doing the work is a difficult thing. And so when you, when you open up the opportunity to have communication across the farm, that's a life changer also in, in, in the farm business. So that's another way that, that value can be created. I think um, it won't be just a, a technology that we put and deploy on new equipment. There's an intense appetite um, from customers to be able to update their, their existing equipment, their, their installed fleet uh, with the technology as well, which you know, the, the, the satellite industry looks at as very appealing also because of course the volumes in the installed base are, are significant relative to what we produce annually from a new perspective.
1: Okay, this might be a really, this might be a basic question, but but how do you do that with older equipment? Is it, is it that the equipment was manufactured with the anticipation that these types of capabilities would eventually come along?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We've been producing equipment with um, cellular connectivity and the usual ways of communicating Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, etc. Uh, with uh, modems onboard the equipment for really the last uh, 12 to 15 years in agriculture. And so there is uh, already the the technology sitting on the machine that uh, for lack of a connection to the outside world, can take advantage of the equipment or the information on the equipment and that is being produced in the job and push it or pull it um, to wherever is is most helpful
1: and so i guess where where the biggest business opportunities for all of this um I realize stateside there there's very rural areas, but I would imagine there are other countries where connectivity issues uh, and the ability to sort of more effectively plant and farm and harvest uh, go go even further.
0: Yeah, exactly right. So maybe a couple of statistics in the U.S. We would say that roughly 30% of the acres that are farmed are not connected today. So that's that's the opportunity in in the U.S. and uh, Canadian markets. If you look at a place like Brazil, for example, and Brazil is uh, a major, um, a major player from a global agricultural perspective, in Brazil it's just the opposite. Seventy percent of the acres are not connected; thirty percent are. And so we have significant, disproportionate opportunities in in different locations where um, the connect- the current state of cellular connectivity is poor. Uh, Brazil being a really good example of that, um, and also the um, sort of the the progress of cellular con- connectivity and the cellular uh, connection networks in those areas is relatively slow. There's just not the population density to drive the business case for the telecommunications provider to put up infrastructure for, for a terrestrial cell network. And so we don't think that in many of those cases, terrestrial cell will sort of ever be the solution.
1: So you, you're working with satellite operators. You're gonna choose one probably later this year. How quickly does this next level service roll out? And what does that look like, I guess, across the globe in some of these different markets?
0: Yeah, our, our challenge will be, and, and so that's a somewhat a function of, of the providers that we choose as well and their ability to operate in the markets that we care about, um, and, and all of them are working to, to secure that capability. Um, but our, our, our mission would be to have a solution rolled out so that this time next year, uh, farmers are uh, taking advantage of it and enjoying the, the opportunity that connectivity uh, presents. So we're 12 months away from, I think, meaning making a meaningful impact in the market.
1: And how does this stack up against your competitors? Because I know CNH, for example, is making investments around precision agriculture as well, but connectivity seems to be kind of the ba- baseline to, to realize all of these ambitions.
0: Yeah, I think they're they're all making progress. I think maybe one of the differences is, um, you know, we've been at this uh, a fairly long time. So we've been putting connectivity devices on equipment, like I said, for 12 or 15 years. So there is a nice installed base of deer equipment that has the ability to take advantage of this technology. Uh, when we're we're ready to deploy it, I think that's thing one. Thing two, uh, we're vertically integrated. We design our own GNSS receivers. Uh, we run our own um, uh, correction signal network across the face of the planet. Um, this is this is and, and we run our own digital backend as well. Uh, so there's I think a seamlessness that's possible uh, through the Deer uh, technology stack enabled by uh, us having our fingers in the different different portions of the technology stack that makes the customer experience. Um, more seamless and less frustrating.
1: So over the long-term, what does this do to, what does this do to the revenue mix at the company? How does that change?
0: Yeah, to be determined, um, you know, we're, it'll be a function I think of um, how the technology gets, wants to be digested by by customers in different markets, in different places. It will certainly, uh, I think, change the opportunity relative to, um, you know, for, for customers to purchase the technology on old equipment. I think that's a an opportunity for revenue generation from a deer perspective, but it's also an opportunity for value creation on the customer's old installed fleet. So I think that's one change that, that will likely happen. And then I think this, this uh, the, the way it gets digested from the spectrum of sort of uh, one-time uh, purchase all the way through, um, you know, this, this software as a solution uh, type of service where it's a a more periodic uh, charge or a more periodic uh, opportunity for, for revenue to, to occur and for value to be created for, for a grower is sort of the other end of that spectrum. So I think it, it sort of um, has the opportunity to lay somewhere between those two bookends uh, and the customer testing that we'll be doing over the next three or four months, I think is really going to be uh, an opportunity for us to figure out what the best place to play in that spectrum is for both customer and for deer.
1: So I guess over the medium to long term, what does this do to farming and thus with it what does it do to food security what does it do to the cost and the the price of food especially at a time where i realize right now inflation food food inflation is so much in focus but what does this do to change all of those dynamics
0: that's a super good question um i love the question the i think it, it it will only improve agriculture right if you have this ability to connect every acre on the farm you have the ability to collect more prescriptive information on the farm that allows a grower to make better decisions uh, through the growing season, but then from growing season to growing season as well. Uh, And so I think that um, improves food security in the sense that it produces a better outcome at the end of the year than would otherwise uh, be possible without that information, without that data. Uh, And so I think that's a a very positive thing. It also enables certain technologies, things like, we would call it infield data sharing. So the opportunity for two pieces of equipment operating in the same field at the same time, to share their information back and forth one to the other. Uh, and so if you think about that in a planting case, that makes sure that you don't plant twice in certain areas, right? Uh, if you think about it in a crop care case, it makes, uh, it ensures that you don't uh, spray a field uh, twice in the same location with two different machines because you didn't know where the other machine had been. Uh, that that coverage mapping, that data sharing portion has an opportunity to significantly reduce uh, the input cost that a grower might have today. And of course, reducing the input costs uh, and reducing things like herbicide, fertilizer, et cetera, and so on on the input side, improve the economics of the business, but it's also better for the environment. Uh, it, it's, uh, it produces a better outcome for the the crops themselves from a, from a harvest and yield potential perspective. Uh, and so I think all of those things add up to um, creating a significant value on the farm that improves uh, improves the opportunity to, to produce more more whatever the commodity might be with less from an input perspective
1: now Deer also has a construction business so is this going to translate to some of those other parts of the portfolio as well
0: yeah i, I think it certainly has the capacity to the um it, it's a little bit different industry in the sense that m- many of the construction jobs that are that are uh, executed are within terrestrial cell uh, reach, right? They tend to be more urban, uh, less rural, uh, but that's not always the case. So there are construction jobs that that happen, uh, forestry jobs that happen, road building, et cetera, uh, where connectivity is an issue. And when those when those um, those opportunities present themselves, we'll use a, a similar solution, uh, the same solution probably in the construction uh, industry as we do in the ag industry.
1: Final question for you, as we do yeah. see commercial space continue to evolve and change, um, how, are you, how are you thinking about, and I realize you're in the midst of an RFP and, and teaming up with satellite operators, um, but longer term, how are you thinking about future ways to continue to leverage all of those possibilities?
0: Yeah, I think that another intriguing opportunity for us uh, today is in uh, earth observation. So as earth observation becomes better uh, and um, more highly precise um, with different data vectors, different uh, hyperspectral imaging, et cetera, and so on, the ability for us to know more about the planted crop uh, increases, right? And and that just improves, again, the ability for a grower to have more data at their, at their fingertips for, uh, Companies like John Deere to create better insights from that data, so that a grower can make a better decision. Uh, and I think that's a really, um, no pun intended, fertile ground uh, as Earth observation continues to improve uh, in both resolution and in in sort of the uh, the data types that become available.
1: Are you already working with Earth observation companies on this types of data?
0: Yeah, we do. We um, John Deere Operations uh, Center is sort of the the. the the customer-centric hub for where the data that gets created by their equipment in the fields, but also uh, different um, different companies that create data can they can pull the, the farmers can pull their data into operation center. So they have sort of this one place that they can view all the information. And it's not uncommon for them to pull EO data into operation center today uh, and, and use it for their farms. And all of them, I think, would would be interested in in uh, more highly precise uh, in terms of spatial resolution and uh, the ability to sense things that today uh, they can't sense in any other way other than perhaps being in the field or or having a sensor on a, a piece of equipment in a field.
1: Okay, I know I said final question before, but now <laughs> truly final question. So in, in terms of the fleet of agricultural machines, deer machines that that are deployed around the world right now, how many of them are actually utilizing some of these services? How many of them are actually connected and, and, and actively taking advantage of that capability?
0: Yeah, so in the guidance space, so GNSS equipped machines, um, an estimate well over a million uh, machines today um, are, are operating with some form of guidance on it. We've gone through several generations of that. Uh, and then uh, equipment today that, that uh, is operating from a satellite communications perspective, uh, we're really with just a small sample of machines today as we work through the RFP. Uh, with some 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 of the latest hardware uh, available and some of the latest constellations uh, available, uh, so that that number is relatively small. Um, machines that can have connectivity that benefit from connectivity uh, via terrestrial cell today, uh, but then if you add and layer on satellite communications on top of that, you know that number is well over a million machines as well.
1: That does it for this episode of Manifest Space. Make sure you never miss a launch by following us wherever you get your podcasts and by watching our coverage on Closing Bell Overtime. I'm Morgan Brennan. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, package and paperless returns,